Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Real Forno Show, sponsored by our friends at Lake Monster Brewing. This evening, I have two of the smartest individuals in the draft community when it comes to small school guys and sleepers, Blue Chip Scouting Zone, Devin Jackson and Mike Hernishan. After that, we will do our weekly mock draft, and we will try to predict the Vikings' future, which is just 10 short days away. So stick around to another episode of The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Tyler Fornis, contributor at NBC Sports Edge and USA Today's Vikings Wire, along with being a member at Climbing the Pocket. You are looking live at two nicely groomed young men and a nine-year-old child. My name is Tyler Fornes, and with me are two of my really good friends who are the foremost experts when it comes to small school guys and sleepers. And they are Blue Chip Scouting Zone, Devin Jackson and Mike Hernishan. Boys, we're going to start off with a little bit of fun. Mike, why don't you tell me about this quarterback class? I hate the fact that you're doing this to me and making me have to talk quarterbacks. I should have talked to you about this earlier. I am on a strict no quarterback diet until the 28th. I, I know that that was just on fun. Gentlemen, I appreciate you stopping by tonight and being able to educate the guys on these small school prospects because let's just be honest here. They are just as important as the big names because they fill out so much depth of the roster and you can really find some hidden gems in the later rounds. Uh, uh, Mike, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Um, you know, it, it, this is a nice break from what I could be watching, which is a very bad playoff game. So uh, thank you for having me on. Hey, absolutely. Devin, you and I just recorded the Vikings mock draft for Blue Chip Scouting here just a few days ago. It's good to see you again. How are you? Yeah, doing pretty good. Um, just getting prepared for uh, a busy last week right before the draft and, and trying to finish some more prospects. But the ones Pelicans are in the playoffs too, so been monitoring that and, and having the a little bit of extra workload, especially since they weren't uh, able to make the or, or weren't expected to make the playoffs at the very least. And, and I know you, you're checking out your Minnesota Timberwolves as well. But on the draft front, you know, always excited to talk about prospects and small school prospects is my thing. Absolutely. And we're going to start off with one because Dan brings it up and he was on the he was not on the list, but he's somebody that we should talk about. And that is Idaho State's Tanner Connor. He's a very unique guy, really nice height, weight and speed receiver. Does not have any form of production playing for the Idaho State Vandals in that beautiful Kibbe Dome because they were 1-10 last year, and they, they just are not very good at this whole football thing. But Connor's a very intriguing guy. I believe he was on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. Mike, when you look at Tanner Connor and what the profile that he has to offer in the National Football League, what do you think? Like you said, height, weight, speed. Uh, haven't had a chance to really study him too in-depth. Uh, because, shocker, it is really hard to get Idaho, Idaho State film. But he kind of reminds me a little bit, you're probably uh, a little easier in terms of what, what year this was than I am, because it's all a big blur to me when you've been doing this for nine years. Uh, Ryan Swope out of Texas A&M, who unfortunately never caught on in the league because of concussion injuries. I want to say it was 2015 or 16 uh, draft, mm-hmm. but very similar where just like taller dude, really fast, uh, wasn't 
too much of a, of a prospect, I think, due to injuries and age. But Tanner Connor, in terms of size and uh, you know size and, and potential, kind of reminds me a lot of what we would have thought of Ryan Swope coming out in that draft class. Devin? Yeah, you know, uh, he hasn't been someone that I got to watch extensively, but uh, he was at the East-West Shrine game, and uh, he showed some flashes. Now, there, there's kind of been talks around whether where he's going to be used at in, at the NFL level because, you know, he has the, the highway speed you look for, but is he going to be able to separate the NFL level? That's kind of what I worry about uh, looking at his film and, and just what he was asked to do at Idaho State. He has great, uh, you know, yak numbers and, and great uh, – you know, per average reception numbers, but, you know, how's that going to translate to NFL level? So I think he could be in a discussion, maybe a Jacob Harris type where he played receiver, uh, you know, at, at the college level, but maybe makes that transition to tight end and, and kind of uses, utilizes his, his skill set in a size to be able to match up to, to linebackers and safety. So I think he's one that you're going to have to have a plan with if you end up drafting him or, or taking him as a UDFA. But it may be worth trying him out as a uh, stretch tight end, as a, a you know F uh, style tight end, where you you put him in motion and, and maybe use him on seam routes and, and whatnot. And if he can't get on the field as a receiver, of course. But I, I think he's an interesting player with, with an interesting profile, and I'm very interested to see how teams feel about him and where he ultimately ends up going. So now here's my question for you, Devin, because when you talk about a transition from wide receiver to tight end, you're talking about a big transition because if um, unless you're going to be a Dan Arnold type where you have really no genuine physical strength to be able to make inline kind of blocks you're talking about a really big transition and Tanner Connor uh, I believe he weighs about 220 225 so he has a little bit more mass to him but how long of a transition are we talking for a position that usually takes three years to see uh, what the projected ceiling might be for a player well, I think it kind of depends on, like I said, how you want to use him. And uh, as, as Tyler Browning makes a comment about Hakeem Butler, uh, it, it's really a case-by-case -case basis. And, and like I said, I, I think you obviously try him out receiver, see if he sticks there. But to me, I think you put in packages for him, uh, so to speak, where he, maybe he doesn't make a full transition of time. Maybe he's a big slot. You use him in kind of that, that role instead of maybe a true traditional form. So I think – with him, obviously, you, you got to take a look at what the blocking profile is, if there's something there. Because at 220, 225, I mean, you don't really need to be a 240, 250 guy to play tight end. You know, John Will Smith is a perfect example. He's a, he's a bit of a bigger guy, but he's not exactly hulking like a, a Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. So I, I think there there could certainly be a role for him. And I think with with him, it's it just really about getting him in the building, seeing what he can do, seeing his skill set. And then get creative and how you use them, if you especially want them on the field. Absolutely, and we're gonna have to try and speed this up a little because we have a lot of guys, and I know that there are some we fan do. favorites in here for both of you. Yes, um, the next guy I want to talk about. We, I want to continue with the wide receiver position because, and well, I he also went to my high school, so I I, I I got a soft spot in my heart for him, and that is Northern Iowa's Isaiah Weston, another height weight speed guys, and it feels like. We are talking about height, weight, speed guys throughout this draft. There's, yeah, you have Connor, who's going to be a late round guy, Isaiah Weston, a late round guy, Christian Watson, Alec Pierce. There's a lot of these guys who can really make that kind of translation. Uh, Mike, Isaiah Weston, 
Decent production, big-time measurables. Sorry, guys. Tell me about him. Watch him a little bit over the, uh, over the summer. And again, like you said, measurables, speed, great hands. Uh, didn't really get too much of a chance to focus in on him again uh, because all of the plaudits in that, in that uh, Iowa State offense uh, – uh, I say Iowa State. Northern Iowa, sorry. Yes. Uh, offense go to Trevor Penning, um, who I, I think Fordo, you and I have talked to death about my my feelings on Trevor Penning. Uh, Isaiah Weston, I think he's going to be someone where you can get him probably in that fifth or sixth round. He's going to stick around because it's hard to teach that you know that combination. You know, we talk about how many height weight speed guys there are in this class, but at the end of, the end of the day, that helps you stick around in the NFL. Like we see a lot of. 6'4", 230-pound wide receivers that run a 4'7", flame out almost every year because they can't separate. But when you're 6'4", 220, and run a 4'4", um, and can jump out, out, out of the gym, you'll stick around for a lot longer than, than a lot of the people picked ahead of you. I think he's going to be someone that's going to be a great value. He's probably going to be like a fourth or fifth tight end, uh, sorry, fourth or fifth wide receiver in someone's offense right away. But he can definitely become like a, a wide receiver three, wide receiver four, which in today's NFL is incredibly valuable. We're not in the days of the late 90s, early 2000s, where, you know, one or two wide receivers was really all you were seeing. Teams are going empty way more often than not. Absolutely. Devin, when you take a look at Isaiah Weston, do you see some of the same things Mike does? Or do you have a little bit of a different perspective? Yeah, and I think maybe we're, we're capping his ceiling a little bit. I think maybe, in, in I mean, depending on the offense, he can be a true uh, vertical deep threat. That's where he, what he was at Northern Iowa. He was able to get behind the defense. And uh, due to inconsistent quarterback plays, numbers could have been more Christian Watson-esque. It's more so than, than we think. And I, and I think I'm, I'm kind of surprised that, that his name is, has really started to gain traction uh, later than, than I expected because, you know, he, he didn't get the, the major all-star infight uh, like Christian Watson, obviously. But uh, in terms of deep threat, he, he's also a true natural separator in the air. And he, and he can get behind the defense and, and really cause issues. And that 4-4 speed is exactly what you see on tape with him. So I think uh, for him – he, I think Mike had it right with, with him being a, a wide receiver three or four, but I can see some packages have him uh, kind of in that condensed uh, formation, like bunch set and him taking the top off the defense and then getting behind on the post or, uh, you know, just clearing out uh, the, the, the two high safeties or one high safety. So I think, you know, he, he has some possibilities. I think obviously he's going to have to continue to grow as a route runner and uh, become a, a more technical and clean route runner. But I think, he already has some skill set there, and, and you're just going to have to continue to refine that and allow him to, to, to find a way on the football field because receiver rooms are getting more and more stacked every year. Receiver, and, and Tyler, you talked about this, receiver is becoming a replaceable position. So he's, he's going to come in on a rookie contract. Maybe by year two, year three, he's, a, he's becoming a serious contributor, and, and he, can, he can really bring some value to the NFL squad. I completely agree. And as we're kind of talking about receivers, we're going to transition over to the defensive backfield and the guys who are trying to cover these players. And we have four that we're going to talk about here today. And the first one I want to talk about is Sam Houston State's Zion McCollum. And I know it's somebody that uh, both of you have uh, have watched. Devin, I know you're high on this guy. He uh, tested with a perfect 10 relative athletic score at the cornerback position, essentially saying he is the most athletic corner to come out of 
the NFL into the NFL draft since 1987. And let's be honest, for 1987, there's not going to be any more and more athletic than Zion McCollum. Devin, when you take a look at McCollum's tape at Sam Houston State, he's obviously playing the FCS in the Southland Conference. They are moving up to, I believe, the Sun Belt here um, in the next couple of years. But when you look at McCollum and what he was able to do in college at the Senior Bowl, how do you think he projects and where do you think he's going to end up going in the draft? Well, I'll tell you what, I think he's going to go end up going higher than we expect. Now, I would not be surprised if he went day two because I think – when you have guys that, that can move like that, has that height, weight, size that, that we've been talking about all show long, uh, that, that's kind of a rare athlete to have on the field. And, and similar to, to Tariq Woolen in terms of athletic testing and, and just what he brings in measurables, I think Zion McCullum uh, is, is a ball. He's someone that, that goes after the football, uh, played uh, man coverage, played zone coverage, played a little bit of everything at Sam Houston State. But I think, you know, there, there are times that it, or he just needs to improve on, on locating the football uh, down the field in, in, in those man cover situations. Because against Montana State, a uh, guy that actually I dropped uh, to, to Mike and some of the other guys at Blue Chip Scouting, uh, Lance McCutcheon from, from Montana State, he, he got behind him a couple of times and was able to be on some, some deep passes. So I do think there's going to be room for improvement in, in finding or honing in those, those technical aspects of the game. But I think Zion, you know, he's going to be an interesting guy because how, how are you going to utilize him early on? Because I think he, he's not going to be someone you, you throw out there on an island immediately. I think he, he, there's still some uh, clunkiness in his transitions. I, I think that he's not as fluid as you as athletic testing suggests. And, and I think the, the development is going to have to continue. But I, I could see him being matched up uh, or at least early on, put him in sub packages, match him up against uh, bigger slots and, and tight ends to, to kind of utilize that length, but eventually become a uh, a CB2 will, will be a ceiling for me. Mike? Absolutely agree with everything Devin just said. You really can't have enough athletes out there, especially on defense. If we're talking about all these freak athletes on offense, you need someone to match up with them defensively. And like you said, Zion McCollum being the best athlete we've seen at the corner position to come out in the draft since 1987 that speaks volumes like technique is going to take some time like you said you know Devin there's some some stiffness in, in transitions that can that can be coached up you can't teach that type of athleticism um and you know Sam Houston State they've been a factor in the FCS playoffs for a couple of years now they won the the uh, FCS national title during the uh, the shortened spring season a lot of it on defense was because of the work that Zion McCollum put in. Uh, he is an eraser at that level, and that's exactly what you want from someone on film. I don't want it on FGS-level film and see uh, and have any doubts as to who that player is. I shouldn't have to really go looking for that player. They stand out, and Zion McCollum is definitely among the best players in FCS in general. And I think that's probably going to translate into a late day two, early day three pick. Absolutely. And there's another guy who could, who could potentially make a rise for some similar athletic traits. Mike, it's somebody you're really familiar with, and that's Baylor's Kalen Barnes, an absolute blazer at the cornerback position running in the four twos. Uh, What is your opinion on Barnes and, I feel like he might end up being best as a safety prospect at the National Football League level. Well, what are your thoughts on him and how he projects? I don't mean this in any like disrespect to to Kalen Barnes, but 
normally when someone is the third best defensive back in a you know uh in a foursome that's a bad thing it's not in his case because he also happened to be back there with Jalen Petrie and uh, JT Woods, who was one of the leaders in interceptions. Uh, Caleb Barnes was by far the better corner um, on Baylor. Uh, there's a reason that teams tended to pick on Riley Texada, which was just the weak man in that in that four man group. But Caleb Barnes can just erase the side of the field. I thought he was the best defensive back down at the Shrine game. Um, you know. We talked about uh, you and I, Forno, uh, during that week. Uh, Tay Martin, possibly the best wide receiver down at the Shrine game. The only uh, defense back that gave him any form of resistance and actually took it to him was Kalen Barnes. And then we saw him show up to, to the combine and he ran, what was it, four two three something absurd like that. Um, yeah, again, like I said with, with Zion McCollum, you need freak athletes to keep up with a, a Tyreek Hill. And um, having someone that can run a four two something uh, and has good ball production. Maybe it's as a safety. Maybe it's as a, a corner. Don't really think it matters. You just find a spot for him in that secondary. Teams are going with five, six defensive backs. He needs to be one of them. Devin, do you share one of uh, the same sentiments as Mike? And then we're going to move on and talk about your guy from Florida A&M, Marquise Bell. Yeah, so with, with Kalon Barnes, I, I mean, Mike talked about bringing him in the secondary. Why not put him at nickel? And, and have them be able to to match with some of those faster, quicker nickels and, and be oh, physical yeah. at the line of scrimmage. He has the, the straight line speed to to catch up with anyone. So I think that that could be a value asset, valuable asset, especially for a championship level team. I think teams like maybe, you know, like like the Bills, for example, I, I don't think they necessarily need Kalon Barnes, but you bring him in uh, to, to kind of neutralize whatever Kansas City is going to do or Miami. I mean, they, they clearly are loading up on weapons as well with Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill. So I think with him, you, you bring him in and you just let him figure out where he just best fits. And I think someone with, with his skill set, ball skills, speed, uh, and, and physicality at the line of scrimmage, I think you're, you're going to find a way to, to get on the field. Obviously having as, a, as maybe a gunner early on, on on the special team side of things, use that speed to go down and make some tackles. But then also uh, find yourself in sub packages and, and third and long situations where you're trying to stop, uh, you know, high octane offenses. Agree completely. And then, we're, uh, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about your guy, Marquise Bell from Florida A&M. And Marquise Bell is a really interesting prospect. Very athletic and really showed out uh, for, uh, I, I can't remember, are they the Dragons? I think they're the Dragons. <laughs> they're the, the Rattlers. Florida A&M Rappers. Ah, okay. So, Florida A&M, Marquise Bell, heck of a prospect. What is it about his game that stands out for you? Uh, he does everything for that defense. Like, he, he's all over the field whenever you turn on the film. And even casually viewing, I remember watching him live against, uh, I, I believe it was against um, Bethune-Cookman earlier in the season. Uh, he had like a three-play stretch where he like forced a fumble. Then on the next, the very next play, he got an interception and, and nearly took it for six. And then you know he he came down and, and made a tackle for loss. So for me, he he's the type of safety that you want him free roaming. You want him, you can can play him uh, that that too high set and and allow him to be down in the box and, and make impact plays in a run game. But also a matchup with tight ends and, and slot receivers because he, he did that very very well 
at the FCS level. Uh, you know, obviously a, a guy that, you know, a bit of a background, he got kicked out of Maryland, but landed at Florida A&M. So I think, you know, kind of the background is not going to see him go before day three. But to me, he has a day two skill set where you, you bring him in immediately. He can play from a two high set. You can rotate him into uh, cover three looks in, in one high man coverage. He has that type of range and ability. And then he has the ball skills. He's going to force fumbles. He's a, uh, you know, he has that Tyron Matthew-esque personality where he wants to take the ball away from you. So for me, he actually ended up with a late day two grade for me. He may not go until mid day three, but I think he's going to come in immediately and be an impact player at, at the NFL level. I mean, there were scouts coming to Florida A&M just to see him or even at other FCS games uh, in the HBCU to see him go against uh, various opponents. And every single game you can find him on tape making plays all over the field. And I just love this guy. He's one of my favorite prospects in this class. Mike, do you have anything to add about Marquise Bell? Well, I mean, that is that is Devin's guy, and it sh- should surprise no one that Devin loves, uh, you know, a Florida A and M safety because that is like as on brand for Devin as it gets. But one thing that stood out to me while he was ta- while he was talking there was the fact that you know he was at Maryland. Can you imagine how good that Maryland secondary would be if they had him and uh, Nick Cross back there? No one would throw down the middle for them. Oh, that's that. That's Iowa definitely would not man. have put up fifty it, points. No. Or Maryland. Yeah, and uh, we have one last defensive back that we're going to get to here tonight. Um, and, Mike, we're going to start with you. Fanfield State's Joshua Williams uh, went to the Senior Bowl. And really the only bad thing that I heard about him the entire week there was that he played at Fayetteville State, which is always a good sign with a, a lower-level guy. Uh, what do you like about Joshua Williams? Love the length. I think he's very physical. Haven't done my final eval on him. He's actually, uh, my final eval and tape eval on him is scheduled for tomorrow. But from what I saw at the Senior Bowl, from what I've seen him, you know, in passing, again, length, physicality, and like you said, you know, first exposure to him, no one knew who this kid was, or at least most of us had no clue who this kid was heading into the Senior Bowl. And Forno, you and I have been watching the Senior Bowl and covering it in different aspects for years now. There's always the one kid that you fear that, when they're a Division two, Division three school, you know, are they going to, st- you know, are they going to belong? And yeah, there was a kid like that this year, but that kid was not uh, Joshua Williams. He was one of the better defensive backs down there. Uh, you know, our our friends, you know, Connor Rogers and and Trevor Sigma raving about how good this kid was playing uh, in Mobile. Uh, can't wait to actually, uh, sorry, dig into the tape myself and. I'm excited, man. I think from what, from what I've heard, from what I've seen, wouldn't be surprised if I came away in that, you know, round three area. Don't think he's going to make it past the fourth round. Devin, your thoughts. Obviously, he's got the length. He showed out at the Senior Bowl. And uh, Mike didn't bury him like the quarterback class, so that's always a good sign. What do you think? I would yeah, draft him uh, I like him a lot. <laughs> There you go, uh, but but I like him a lot. You know, I, I, I did I did a I did a film breakdown of of him actually on Blue Chip Scouting and and be able to to, to look into his film and he's just someone that he just clearly is the best player on the field at D two level. Like there's no question that when you look on at Fayetteville State, whoever they're playing against, he's erasing his side of the field. Like they they quarterbacks were scared to throw his way because he took the ball away 
at a, at a pretty high uh, rate. I think he had uh, six or eight interceptions in, in his uh, like two and a half career year because he, he had to miss the, the 2020 season with COVID. So like he he had a tremendous ball production in a small amount of time. And it, w- it was funny watching him on film. He was baiting quarterbacks like he was a safety. Like he, he would play uh, cover three bail technique and uh, just force the quarterback to, to try and throw it down the sideline because it looked like he was out of position. But then he would turn it on and just go up and snag an interception. So with him, I think there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period against the NFL level because there were times on film, even even though he looked phenomenal on film, where he underestimated the speed of, of who he's going against and, and players got behind him or he lost kind of awareness and deeper zone coverage because he's just not used to quarterbacks throwing it 67 yards over his head at the D2 level. You know, it was more like 40 to 50 uh, on a good day. And, it, and there was a couple time, couple film uh, time, times on film where it was just pouring raining. So it was in going this way. So I, I think with, with Joshua Williams, he's going to come in, be a mesh, uh, immediate special teams contributor. He is, he's a great size profile, great testing uh, at the combine. So he's clearly a, a really good athlete, but, but I think, in terms of actually, you know, playing within the confines of defense and, and understand responsibilities, I feel like there was a little bit of, of free, you know, him freestyling because he just knew that the quarterbacks weren't going to throw over his head. But I think at the NFL level, there's going to be a bit of adjustment there. But I would take a round three because I have a round three grab on. Fantastic stuff, guys. Now we've got seven guys left and a mock draft, so we're going to do a little bit more rapid fire style. Mike, I know this is one of your guys. Coastal Carolina Edge, Jeffrey Gunter. I loved what I saw from Gunter at Coastal Carolina. Incredibly disruptive. Did not test the best uh, at the NFL Combine, but there's a lot to like from him. What is it about him that stands out to you? I just think that he's got a very very high floor. You know that he's going to come in. He's really good against the run. That's the one thing that, that uh, I thought he improved the most on this year was, you know, being able to uh, do better in terms of reading on option, you know, you know uh, handoff options, speed options, and uh, not over committing. And then he's a really, like, he had a great floor every year at Coastal. Six and a half sacks, pretty much all four years he was there. He transferred out to North uh, NC State at one point, then transferred back. He's an older prospect. He probably had to answer in... in uh, draft interviews, why he transferred and then transferred back. But I just think that this is someone where, kind of like a Teron Jackson from Coastal uh, last year, you can probably get him in like round six, round seven, and he can come in and as a rookie be like a three or four sack, you know, type guy, develop into like an, you know, a, a, a consistent six or seven sack a player a year. A sack a year player, sorry. I need more coffee. Oh, and <laughs> yeah, I need some more coffee too. But when you're talking about a guy you're going to get on day three to be able to be that kind of player, I think that that's a really nice add. One of your guys, Devin, is really intriguing because he is a big guy and he comes from an even bigger guy. And that is Derek Deese Jr., son of former NFL offensive lineman Derek Deese Sr., played guard and tackle for the 90s uh, Niners and into the 2000s. Derek Deese Jr. had abysmal quarterback play at San Jose State. But always found a way to make an impact, especially uh, I remember watching that UNLV game and talking to you about Deese Jr. When you look at him and you look at how he projects in a really deep tight end class, but what stands out about him outside of the rest? 
Yeah, I think with him, you know, you, you just see him be be dominant at times. When when the quarterback play was was fairly decent, he was getting the force fed the ball. And and he made that tremendous jump for me because I remember watching him um, you know, from, from 2019 and he, he just looked a step slow. He just looked like he was still figuring out the speed of the game and, and, and not as confident in his route running. 2020, he took a jump and, and he, he really found a connection with Nick Starkle when, when he was healthy. 2021 was more of a, a, you know, up and down year because of the quarterback position with, with Nick Starkle going down against Western Michigan. It kind of was, was all over the place throughout the year. And you had a uh, Nick Nash who, he, he was a, a decent quarterback, but he wasn't someone that was going to push the ball down the field consistently. So with him, he made so many tremendous catches over the course of the season on on passes he had to, to make adjustments with. So it makes me wonder, you know, with, with his ability to create separation against those safeties and linebackers and really uh, create some yak situations, I just wonder if he had, uh, you know, even the, the a better quarterback uh, throwing him the football that he would – be much more productive. So with him, I think he's someone that comes in. He's probably going to be a, a tight end three or four to start off. I think he's going to be one of those guys that probably doesn't get drafted. I think he, he may go to UDFA route because of uh, the lack of testing. And I just don't think he's an overall explosive athlete, but I think he can be someone that if you're in two or three tight end wide receiver or tight end sets, uh, you you can can move him, be, be more that, that move H back type of guy that, you can, can sit, send up the scenes, someone that'd be very valuable in the red zone. And, and you you have packages for him. I don't, I don't think he's going to ever become a all-pro level tight end, but I do think he can be someone that sticks around the league uh, eight, ten years as a uh, solid backup or third tight end that, that you really utilize on passing downs. Yeah, and as, as we kind of transition away from uh, the tight end position and some of these playmakers, we're going to talk about the nitty-gritty. And we're gonna, we've got three offensive linemen that we need to talk about. And I know Mike is licking his chops because we're going to start with uh, Nebraska's Cam Jurgens, the beef jerky maker himself. Somebody that Dane Brugler has as a second-round grade, which I thought was incredibly high, but we also know that Brugler does more and, and better work than pretty much everybody else in the industry. Mike, when you take a look at Jurgens, he kind of fits what the Vikings want in the center. He's got athleticism. He knows how to make reach blocks. He knows how to get to that second level. And he also has a little bit of that sand in the pants. What about his game stands out the most to you? Well, you, If you want to make this a true Vikings connection, this is what Vikings fans were hoping they were going to get from Garrett Bradbury. Uh, like you said, good athlete, but with a little bit more sand in the pants. I love Cam Jurgens. Um I would argue that aside from Tyler Linderbaum, he's probably my favorite center in this entire class. Um, I absolutely love Cam Jurgens. I really want to get on his good side so he can send me some of that beef jerky I've heard about. Uh, I gave him a third-round grade, so I actually don't think that, that Dane's that far off. I thought that with his athletic testing and the fact that, again, you watch the film, the dude's just a dog, and that's exactly what you want. You want someone that can move, can be used on pole blocks, but also, like, when they're being used on a pole block, don't you want them to clear a path as well? That's a big thing that, like, listen, I know some Vikings fans really like Garrett Bradbury, but that's just not who he is. This is what you want in a modern NFL center. And speaking of modern NFL centers, we're going to move on to a guy who played tackle at Wake Forest, but is likely to be best suited on the inside, and that is Zach Tom. 
a very interesting name just because it's two first name and it's not Thomas or Zachary. It's Zach Tom. I, I just I find the name. And he fun was right after Zachary Thomas at the combine. Yeah, I know that's uh that's uh, one of those hilarious little nuances, Devin. When you look at Zach Tom, talking about a guy who's going to transition from tackle to center is not something you see often. The Vikings were trying to do that with uh, Kyle Hinton, who they drafted out of Washburn in the seventh round a few years ago. But that hasn't necessarily panned out quite yet. But with Tom, it just feels like it's going to make the most sense. What do you think yeah, about Tom think, in his – go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think when you look at, at Zach Tom, I think the first thing that stood out to him was his film against Jermaine Johnson. And, and Jermaine Johnson is a de facto first-rounder by, by most people – and he essentially shut him out. He, he was able to replace his hands really well, be able to move side to side laterally and, and really erase everything Jermaine Johnson was throwing at him. And, and that game alone really want, made me want to dive deeper into his tape, and that's exactly what I did. And, and you know, he, he played uh, center in 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. He played tackle. So, you know, maybe you, you do try him out at tackle. I, I don't think he, he necessarily fits the measurables or, or exactly what you're looking for at the tackle position. But in terms of run block, Anthony can fit anywhere on the offensive line. You know, he, he does a really good job. Uh, he's not one of those guys that's going to be a, a, you know, like a, a Trevor Penning in, in the run run game where he uh, absolutely dismantles people or, or Akim Mekwanu. But I do think – He's going to be rock solid. You you play, you play him at center, you play him at guard, you're not going to have to really worry about him. He's someone that can play on the island. You know, he's gone against some of the best edge rushers in the ACC throughout his career and, and handled it really well. So everything about him is, is technically sound. He's just one of those guys that, you know, maybe goes into round three, early round four, but becomes immediate starter in, in a, a 10 to 12 year bet. That the team, but that people will go back and look at it and say, why was this guy wasn't this guy drafted higher? Because he just had the technical upside that some of the guys lack on the offensive line that are ahead of him. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with all of that. The last offensive lineman we're going to talk about has one of the more or fun names, and that is Cole Strange. But I do want to point out next week's guest, Ian Cummings, is in the chat saying that two first names equals UDFA. When you're talking about drip, I totally understand what you're saying, but uh, I I can live with it, it for certain prospects. I mean, like Jamar Chase, yeah, you really can't argue with that. But as we move on to Cole Strange, guard prospect from Tennessee Chattanooga, likely is going to play center at the next level as well. Mike, he was nasty at the Senior Bowl with an offensive line group that was relatively underwhelming because the edge group just really took over and Perry and Winfrey ate everybody's lunch and went back for seconds. When you looked at strange, he was one of the best interior guys in mobile. Uh, what is there to like about this young man and how high can he go? Well, first uh, I, I said earlier that uh, Cam Jurgens might be my, my favorite, you know, out, uh, center prospect outside of uh, Tyler Linderbaum. If it's not Jurgens, it's Cam's, it's uh, Cole Strange. Absolutely loved uh, uh, watching him down the Senior Bowl. I mentioned it earlier. There's always the uh, small school guy on the offensive line. We've seen Ali Marpet, Ben Barch in, in past years. This year, it was strange. Um, one thing I loved about him is he could get beat on a rep, and given the nature of the Senior Bowl practice, he had to get right back up and do you know and, and do the next rep right away. 
you didn't beat him twice in a row. And the same player didn't get him twice at any point in in the week, which is great because it means that he's got a very short memory, doesn't get down on himself. We see a lot in those one-on-one drills that are catered to the defensive lineman that the offensive lineman gives up, you know, uh, you know the highlight-worthy, tweet-worthy uh, rep, and then gets in a bit of a funk. And that's not the case with Cole Strange. And it transfers over to his film on, on Chattanooga. Uh, UT Chattanooga was incredibly fun to watch because you could easily find Cole Strange. He's the garden center prospect sending defensive linemen flying up the field or just burying them in the dirt. Um, I think he's going to be a great kind of depth uh, interior player, whether center or guard uh, in like year one, year two. I think by the end of his rookie contract, he's, he's a full-time starter. I have him if I'm just checking right now. Cole Strange. I, think I have him have at 97 on board. Yeah, I have a third on him. Yeah. And you know what? That's really speaks to the depth of this class. At 97th overall, you have a third round grade. And that those second and third rounds are going to be loaded with talent, unlike some other mm-hmm. years. Devin, there are two guys like that are left on rounds. this list. Yeah, there are two guys left on this list, and you were the first person I remember talking about both of these guys, which is the least surprising thing in the history of the world. First one, Western Michigan's Ali Fayad. Really, really fun player. Nice motor. He's got some tools to work with. I worry that he's not going to be valued as much by the NFL as we may be valuing him. Uh, Tell me about Ali Fayad. Well, I'll tell you what. I think... When I watch any edge rusher that, and really any this season, uh, like outside of the, the top few guys, I think he has a, one of the best toolboxes that, that you'll see. And he just does a little bit of everything. He does a spin. He does a cross chop. You know, he, he does the speed to power. Um, you know, there's so many moves in his arsenal that, that makes him such an interesting guy. And, you know, the, you look at the measurables, he's, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest one, but. You know, he has that unrelenting, uh, you know, play style where he's going to find a way to get home to the quarterback uh, no matter what. Now, I, I kind of worry about where exactly he's going to go or where he's going to play. But, but being able to, to actually, like, sit down and talk with him, uh, he's just a, a determined, driven guy. He's, he's someone that, you know, I, I think a team could, could really take a swing on, on in round six or round seven. And he's going to find a way to make the roster because he's going to do whatever, whatever it takes to get on that football field. And I think maybe you you – get him as an outside backer and, and try to uh, utilize him in that route. Maybe you just use him as a pure pass rusher, but in terms of, of skill set and, and, you know, Western Michigan playing against big schools for the last couple of years, they play like Michigan state and Pitt. He showed up every time, even against Michigan, you know, he was able to cause disruption this season. So he's not one of those small school guys that only show up against the, the small opponents. He's also uh, showing up against the, the big power five schools. And that toolbox is tremendous. I really think with with that ability uh, in someone that has so many different go-to moves, I think he's going to be someone that maybe he reaches his ceiling higher, uh, faster than, than some other prospects in this class because he has that advanced skill set. And, and maybe he's not the, the high-profile uh, guy that's going to get 10, 12 sacks. I'm not expecting that from him. But I think he can stick around and, and be a true – rotational edge guy uh, throughout his career, but, but someone you can count on and come in and, and make a play when, when it's, when he's called upon. 
Yeah, Fayad uh, really impressed me when I was able to watch some good old Maction. And Western Michigan was one of the best teams in the MAC as far as entertainment value because they also had Caleb Elby and Sky Moore and a, a really nice backfield as well. Last guy we're going to talk about, Montana State's Troy Anderson. And because we are running a little short on time, I know, Devin, that you were the one who brought him to our attention. I want some quick hitting thoughts on the really athletic linebacker that transitioned from running back just a couple years ago. Mike, we'll start with you. Quick hitting thoughts on Troy Anderson. Do it all. I think he's a year one starter. Um, again, wasn't really expecting too much when I when I threw the tape on him. I, I knew Devin was a big fan of his, but you know I know Devin's a fan of any player that's ever put on a helmet. So I had to, to see whether or not he was just a downhill thumper. No, I think he's a very good player in terms of dropping into coverage. He ended up coming away with a with a day two grade for me. So I mean, it, you know what, little little quick hitter uh, for Devin. Devin, your presentation uh, on. Blue Chip Scouting's YouTube channel got me an A on an assignment. So you know what? He's a he's forever a brand guy just because he helped me get an A. There we go. Devin, quick hitting thoughts. Um I, I'm I'm gonna try to keep it brief because this this is also one of my guys, obviously, but fast athletic, uh can can match with with what some of the NFL does on on a uh, east to west basis in terms of uh, running sideline to sideline. I think there's some upside in coverage as well. I like him as a, a sandbacker uh, in a 3-4 a, uh, defense. I think he's someone that is, is going to be able to uh, really, uh, you know, create, cause havoc with his length and, and ability to, to match and mirror, uh, you know, a short, kind of short area uh, route. So I, I, he's a really tremendous player and obviously a day two grade for me, but uh, someone that that is really risen uh, among the draft unit community and, and uh, just shine at the senior bowl. You're just one of the the, the biggest uh, shine. Like uh, probably has his stock raised the most from the senior bowl uh, of, of any defensive player that went down there. And one of the most impressive things about Anderson is he ran in the four fours at, in the forty yard dash. Really, really fast player that can, as you both said, do it all. Um, we are going to transition here into the mock draft, but first I want to remind everybody about our great sponsors, Lake Monster Brewing, located in Minneapolis. And they not only brew tremendous beers, but they are going to be hosting us on Friday, April 29th, for the live coverage of the second round of the NFL draft. You can catch me there, Matt, Miles, Ryan, and even the great Flip Mozzie is making the flight in for it. Uh, we are going to be starting at 5.30 and going until the round is over. You will not want to miss this and miss the great beers that Lake Monster has to offer. I have some of the Como Claw Pilsner in my fridge right now. I love a good, crisp beer, and they deliver with that, and they have a lot of other options as well. Gentlemen, one thing we do on this show is we finish off with a mock draft, and Dave is going to get that ready to rock for us. Hit it, Dave. Welcome to Climbing the Pockets Mock Draft Mondays. Who will the Vikings pick, and who's your favorite choice? And here we go. Gentlemen, the way this works, you guys are running the board. I'm going to kind of play host here. We're going to do a three-round mock draft for the Minnesota Vikings. Take it whatever direction you want, because one of the 
reasons why we do this every week. We like to explore scenarios and situations. And it's something that I've done it at for the Vikings Wire consistently. And it's the more situations that you focus on, the better perspective you can have of how the draft might actually play out. Because there's always something that throws a major wrench into things every single year. And as Dave starts it, gentlemen, what are we thinking for the Minnesota Vikings here in round one? Part of me kind of just wants to draft a quarterback just to see Vikings Twitter burn uh, because I know that you're you're going to catch all of the flack in your mentions and I'm going to skate free and have a lovely Canadian evening. Uh, but I'm not going to do that today. Um, I, I'm torn on where to go with the Vikings because – I still think that they could use some help in the secondary. Um, you know, they're 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 definitely a team with more needs than uh, than most care to admit. They just need good players at this point, and I I think mm-hmm. that with uh, the front office in in check, they're they're going to be looking for more analytics driven uh, picks. So uh, you know, more valuable picks. We're not going to see interior offensive linemen, linebackers, and running backs going early. Probably not in this draft. I agree. Uh, Devin, are you taking a similar perspective here? Um, I, I think you just see how the board falls, honestly. And, and I think it really depends on who's going to be available at, at 12 for the Minnesota Vikings. So for me, I, I think it comes down to a couple, a couple of different guys. For me, if there's a blue chip receiver on the board, you take him. You know, if there's not a corner or, or an edge. And and I think to me, having a, I think obviously this is going to be a top heavy defensive class. So if you can get one of those guys who you think can be a star in, in their medical checkout, someone like a Derek Stingley, I think it's someone you don't want to pass up on potentially uh, if he's there or, you know, say a scenario where, um, I, I don't know, uh, a sauce gardener would happen to fall or, or something like that. I think you got to have guys on, on the board uh, that, that are blue chip guys. And, and uh, as we pull it up here, we'll, we'll see who's available. But, but I mean, it, the sky's on. I mean, got Jermaine Johnson and Derek Singh. That's exactly the exact scenario that I was talking about. One of those guys uh, could, could immediately help the Vikings out. Yeah, let's take a look at the board right now. Jermaine Johnson, Derek Singley Jr., uh, Drake London, Kenny Pickett, Barf. Jamison Williams, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, and the great Chris Olave, wide receiver one. Gentlemen, the board is yours. What are we thinking? Uh, What do you think the best direction is? Because the trades that were offered to us were not very good. Well, okay, like I said, not going to go quarterback because uh, I don't want your mentions to burn. You are my friend. And also, I refuse to draft Kenny Pickett in round one. Um, I do, however, like the Derek Stingley, uh, idea there because, you know, Cam Dance has been okay. Shandon Sullivan in the slot and Patrick Peterson is 33, 34 now. How long is he 32. really going to be able to, is he 32? I thought he was older than that. I thought he was 33. My apologies. So he's 32 he came years in the league old. At 20, he, feel, he feels like he's an ancient old man, but he's not. Right. But point still stands. Like we're we're talking about a player that's definitely more trending downwards, and 
I mean, can you imagine at the beginning of the year saying that Derek Stingley was going to be available at 12 overall? I don't think he'll be available yeah, at 12 overall. And I'll be honest. I don't I'll think be he will be. Cartwheels, so I don't, I don't have to deal with him being available at 12 overall and sweating him out. Yeah. Remember how I sweated out Elijah Vera Tucker last year? That's going to be me this year with Derek Stingley Jr. Did you not like the AVT? Like, did, did you? Oh, no, you didn't want AVT at all because guards don't matter. Guard, I yeah. thought he, I thought he was. Guard, I thought he was a guard, and I was, I was out. All right, gentlemen, uh, we are. If it were uh, up to me, if we're up to me, I'm, I'm going uh, Stingley. Kevin, uh, I think I'm gonna go Stingley here. Jermaine Johnson is, is certainly, uh, you know, someone that that I, I would very much like on the Vikings, but. I just think you, you got to answer the the cornerback you know question, and then you you need you need an answer. So I I, I like Derek Stingley to go here. Man, uh, fascinating uh, answering the cornerback question with a guy who is oft injured and hasn't played great football since 2019. Really answering a question with a question that's a ballsy move, gentlemen. I respect it. And apparently, you guys are both cowards for not drafting a guard on my show just to mess with me. So. Uh, uh, Boston really getting under your skin tonight. <laughs> All right, so uh, we can no, give I'm up a sixth and a fifth. Yeah. So, kind of my no. rule is you only make the trade if if it one makes sense and two is actually logical. There are some where you give up a six to move up like ten spots around. Like, no, that nobody's going to offer that. Like some of these offers are no bueno. Yeah, I would just hold Pat at forty six, regardless. All right, let's hold. Yeah, I mean, there's gonna be a good football player that. It's gonna be a good football at forty six. So I mean, good football player. Here we go. Very least, we got some good football players: Uh, Quay Walker, Matt Corral, Brees Hall, Tyler Smith, Christian Harris, Kenneth Walker the third. Sam Howell, Travis Jones, Isaiah Spiller, Sean Ryan, and the big fat lead himself, Daniel Falele. Devin, what do you like on the board right now? Uh, this is a tough one because a lot on this board, uh, the, the Vikings are, are not in huge demand of. Um, can, can, can I see who's, who's available at, at the safety position, uh, Dave? Because uh, uh, I'm, I'm not seeing a lot immediately here that uh, – Look, Cam Bynum is great, man. But look, we 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 need we need to add some 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 talent there, man. Some some more talent. Um. Anyway, oh, the, the 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 value is not great right now. I'll tell you that at, at oh, the safety no. position. Um. The latest get he guys are Brisker went off at thirty-five. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, interior defensive line, I guess, uh, will be the next one uh, that I look yeah, at here. Yeah, you're looking at a five. Uh, Jones here. is there. Yeah. See, this one's tough because because if Logan Hall is on the board, I mean, I I'd be hard pressed not to take him because I, I just think he just makes the most sense. He Mike? does, but then you have Tomlinson where he's a nose, but can he play like can can Tomlinson play five tech? Can 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 Jones play five tech? I'm running into that into that issue. I think you need the 
linebacker on the interior is a low key going to a, to a more of a three four base defense because you do have Eric Kendricks, but Kendricks has been around for for a bit, and then Jordan Hicks has bounced around the league for the last couple of years. It all depends on how much this team really values Chaz Surratt, who wasn't selected uh, by this regime. If you want. Uh, athleticism and just a, a, a mauler at linebacker uh, Quay Walker makes a lot of sense here I think it's a little high for him but it makes sense in terms of what they need all right so we have one Travis Jones one Quay Walker I will be the tiebreaker here as much as I love Travis Jones and I love Travis Jones I think because of the uncertain future surrounding Eric Hendricks I think Quay Walker is the pick here there, he just adds an element of versatility to the the middle of that Vikings defense that they just don't necessarily have. Jordan Hicks is a very solid, serviceable player, but I don't think he's a long-term answer either. So while linebacker isn't high on the priority need, they can be multiple with Quay Walker and the guys that they currently have. Yeah, I, I mean, that's fair. I'd say I, 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 just think, I just think that, you know, there just wasn't, someone there uh, at that particular spot, especially in the interior defensive line that, that had that, that five tag versatility. And maybe it was a little high to get Logan Hall. I think he did go off the ball at the, the board recently too. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens here and who was available in, in this next pick. But I, I would like to, to definitely target safety if there's a, a quality safety there. Because uh, cause round three, uh, where, where the Vikings are right now at 77, I think you can uh, – Maybe quote unquote reached it. I mean, the, the rankings aren't necessarily uh, reflective of, of what we think of these players. But I well, think there goes Kirby Joseph. That would have been player. my safety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devin Counterpoint. I'm looking at the Vikings depth chart, and Jesse Davis is a starting guard in the NFL still. This time for the Vikings. We need to change that. Show me who's available on the interior. Dylan Parham would have been perfect, but of course the Ravens had to steal him from us. Which it, I don't understand why the Ravens would prioritize Parham. Uh, just he's not they a wouldn't. scheme fit at all. Not he's not at all. <laughs> I mean, Cole Strange right, is well, on the board though. So let's let's go through the board here real quick, and then and then I'll give you guys an opportunity to chat about it. Isaiah Spiller, Carson yeah. Strong, Brian Asamoah, Darian Kennard, Darian Beavers, Nick Benito, Troy Anderson, Channing uh, Tisdall. Kate Otten, Jeremy Rucker, Greg Dulcich, Ed Ingram, Zach Carter, Fidarian Mathis. Um, Forno, what type yes. of guard do the Vikings need? Do they need more of a power guard or do they need more of a like a move guard? They need a guard who like, is they in need... a traffic cone. Okay, so... That describes I, all they're going to prioritize athleticism, guards. wide zone style run blocking, and hopefully don't sacrifice pass blocking in doing so. To me, that screams Ed Ingram. I love Ed Ingram. I think Man, he's we, a, we, a, we, a cleaner fit than say a, a Darian Kennard, who's going to have to make the the transition from tackle to guard and then the other one that's available at the bottom is Cole Strange is going to be playing center. Um yeah, I mean you you, you I mean, can't have Jesse Dance starting. 
I mean, this this one's tough. They did bring in Chris Reed just to be fair, and he was he grayed out as an average guard, which is a whole antithesis of guards of matter. Find average guards. I don't think Jesse Davis is going to end up starting for this team. Um, they're going to have a real competition with those two and Wyatt Davis. Hmm. I mean, this one's interesting because you, you talk about wide zone scheme and and I'm trying to think if Dave could pull up the uh, the interior offensive line group here. I just want to take a, a closer look who else is available. Uh, that isn't going to be too much out of the range here at 77. You got Cam Jurgens, uh, is someone that that can fit the outside zone scheme. Uh, I, maybe I I would like to make an argument that Cam Jurgens maybe. I mean, I know he played center at the the college level, but to me, I, I think uh, of these guys on the board, and you talk about that outside zone scheme and utilizing that, I, I think he's a perfect fit. I, I actually agree. I think Jurgens is perfect, whether it's center or guard. I think he's a he's a he's a great scheme fit. And we talked about him earlier. The dude's just a dog, and that's what that interior has needed for years. You know what? That That's a perfect way to end this mock draft. Taking one of the guys that we identified as a potential sleeper in right? this draft. Gentlemen, we didn't do a too bad of a job. We got Derek Stingley Jr., we got Quay Walker, and we got Cam Jurgens. Three guys that should ideally play right away. And... You got to feel good about that. I still don't like the Derek Sunley Jr. pick, but I get it. Um, I've, I've gone on and now him about it. Gentlemen, uh, as Ian says, Mike is just trying to get the beef jerky because, uh, as you can tell, he doesn't a, he doesn't make enough money to afford it on his $5 a week allowance. So um, I appreciate you coming on and being able to share the wealth of knowledge that you have about these prospects with everybody here. Um, I know you guys have a lot coming up with it being the NFL draft. Mike, I'll start with you since I keep making nine-year-old jokes about you. What do you have coming down the pipeline for the people? Uh, starting tomorrow right through to the draft, I'm pretty sure I have at least one piece of uh, of draft work coming every single day. Uh, I've been dropping over the weekend my uh, final grades that'll finish off of my final big board. And then the week of the draft, I'll be doing uh, the day before the draft. I have the, what I would do mock draft. Um, And then the day of, I have what I think will happen. Devin and I are going to be doing podcasts throughout. And then Devin and I are also going to be on blue chip scoutings, live coverage of the draft all three days for Devin on the first day and me on the second. And I believe uh, one, if not both of us on day three. Perfect. What was that podcast that you referenced, Mike? Where can they find it? That would be Big Shots Podcast. Uh, Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. Perfect. That That's good stuff. I have, I have listened to a lot of their shows, been on multiple times. It is a lot of really good stuff, stuff that you're, uh, you're going to find very similar to what we did tonight. Devin, you are a busy man as always. What do you have going on? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to release uh, my, my first big board uh, of NFL draft uh, early next week. <clears throat> Still fine-tuning that and trying to get that ready to go. But uh, that that's going to be released sometime next week, obviously, before the draft and, and finally get that out. Um, obviously, podcasts with Mike. Um, going to finish up some more of our podcast series, uh, or not podcast series, but uh, mock draft series that we're doing at Blue Chip Sky. Uh, doing all 32 teams before uh, draft day. 
So got the the Browns one I'm doing coming up. Uh, I'll be coming up sometime tomorrow and then uh, some more later in the week, the Texans and Jets as well. So uh, obviously it's the Viking podcast, so I'm not going to plug that too, too hard because people care about the Vikings content here. But but if you're interested to see how other teams might fare, definitely check it out. On Blue Chip Scouting's YouTube page, along with, with other breakdown, video breakdowns, we talk about the Troy Anderson video, but, but some other prospects like Jelani Woods, Shasha Williams, et cetera. Awesome stuff, guys. And as we transition to Dave to tell us what is coming up, next Monday, it is our last show before the NFL Draft, and I have a very special guest, a friend of the three of ours, and that is Pro Football Network Draft Analyst Ian Cummings. We are going to have a really nice conversation about the draft and the topics we have not secured down yet, but we are going to be talking a lot about specifics, talking about picks, a lot of positions, and we're going to be getting Ian's thoughts as he has spent a lot of time uh, doing this. And there he is in the comments. Really excited to be able to talk with him. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, we've got a fun week planned. Hopefully tomorrow night we have In the Huddle. Wednesday, we have Deontay Lee joining us for Vikings Happy Hour. And the guys will be at Lake Monster Brewing. It'll be our third and final tune-up before the live show on day two of the draft. Thursday, we'll have a Viking Hot Takes. And then again on Saturday, you'll get myself and Darren wrapping things up with two old bloggers. Hopefully we... uh. Surprised a lot of people this last Saturday. No, I listened to the show yesterday, Dave. You guys did a really good job taking a unique perspective on how players pan out. That's it. We, uh, we're all draft 24-7 from here on out. Yes, sir. We, we are going to be all draft, and it is going to be all draft uh, for me as well. I had my... Two of my seven articles that are dropping this week drop today. You can find them on my Twitter timeline. For Mike, for Dave, for Devin, I am Forno. Thank you for tuning in, letting us turn your Monday purple, and Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, the Daily Norsemen, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody.